Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Grip and Grin. Here we are. Surviving the heat. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was going to say roasting the buns today. It is 95. Holy hot. My car was reading 102. Freaking heat wave, dude. It's Going for a run today. I mean, I did I did hear some deer running through the woods today on my run, but like on the run, just you breathe in. It's it's like breathing in water. It's just oh, it's awful. I got to my car to go to work, and it's like oh, I gotta go swimming. <laughs> oh, it's awful. But today we're at a topic of discussion. We're actually stretching the boundaries uh, in this uh, in this topic. So uh, pretty exciting that we're getting into some different territory here. Um, but uh, Something different before we start talking whitetail, really. Yeah, so this will be recapping most of like the end of trout fishing and more so talking a little bass and my taking grip and grin out west to Colorado. Yeah, baby, representing. Damn straight. And this episode will be covering a ton of shit, but as always, share with your friends, like and subscribe, and check out the Instagram page per usual. And our last few pods with our four-part series of the Northern uh, Square Tail Adventures. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, raisins. <laughs> <laughs> so but. I'm going to dive right into to what I've been doing because you and I have actually, like, parted ways. Um, you know, you're, you're down in Massachusetts now, and I'm still here in good old Maine. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, our, our trip was, like the end Uh, like we both knew it going in that trip was the the pinnacle and the kind almost like the the parting of the ways type deal yeah for me it was closing the door on trout essentially um i tried to get out a few more times for trout fishing but i was just like the water's just get heating up it's it's warming up that window that goes across the state of Maine, that window of opportunity has pretty much uh, left us at this point. Unless you have those secret spots of spring-fed areas, but yeah, those are hard spring, to come yeah, by. Especially in Maine, it's like we're not like blessed with the the spring-fed waters of like the White Mounds or the Green Mounds and the Rockies, like we talked about last time. Because you know, with the ponds, they are spring-fed, but only in certain pockets. So those trout are going to go a little deeper. Yeah, they'll still feed on the top for a bit here and there, but it's not really safe to catch and release them right now. And going after them is not going to be as um, as a hot of a fishing trip as it would have been like end of May up and through June, but heading into July, you know, doing some bass fishing, but you did go out one more time up north. I did. I did. I, I knew for a fact that if I wanted to catch trout, I needed to head north. Uh, so I had a little, uh, staffing, if you will, uh, <laughs> up north. So uh, a couple colleagues of mine, we went up north and, uh, it was kind of cool. You've guided me in the past of like trout fishing and stuff like that. And I've kind of like taken the rings and been like, okay, like I'm guiding two of my colleagues here and they want, they're like, well, let's get on some trout. And I was like, all right, well, if we're going to get on trout, we got to head north, which they're all for. It's fantastic. Um, went to a pretty public spot. Um, I know it gets fished pretty hard, even though it's, it's far north, you know, 15 miles off the beaten trail. But, uh, you know, just took a Kula beers and just, it was me and the boys heading up, uh, up north. So, we uh we hit our public spot and on our way up there was a couple uh, FFO rivers that I knew about on the way through and I was I told them we should probably hit those first um, and uh, 
one of my buddies had never fly fished before, so that was interesting. The other one was very familiar and actually preferred fly fishing. So we hit that first area, and as soon as I got to this like area, the water level was down maybe three to four feet. In that's two weeks. N- that's no dude, recipe for weeks. trout fishing right there. No. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, in just initially, I was like, holy shit. Like, there's there's no way. It Like, if the trout were in here, it, you're going to have to, like, like, drag them out of the water. Like, it's just, I knew it was impossible. Well, we, we fished it anyways. But wading in the water, just, like, you could just feel the water. It was so warm. And I was like... We fished it maybe an hour, and I was like, we got to get out of here. Like, let's just go. Um, so I went to a couple other spots and other FFO spots, and they were even warmer because they were, they were smaller streams. They were almost like brooks. So they were, I don't know, maybe like five degrees warmer. Stuck my hand in. I go, nope, turn around. Let's go back. We didn't even wet a line in that, in that brook. So, uh Got out of there, and then finally, I was like, "I know one, one honey hole that we can hit." And I was, I was like, uh, "Frig it!" So I was like, "Let's put all the marbles in the basket. Let's just go for the grand slam." And went to this spot, and it's a, it's a pretty well known spot, but uh, there's a falls that kind of blocks um, trout and gives them good water supply, fresh water, a lot of oxygen. Um, it was maybe 10, 15 degrees cooler than the previous water. So I knew for a fact, I was like, yeah, baby, this is going to happen. And they also, there's a blend of like stocked fish in there and natives in there because I was looking at it, um, online and I did see that there was a mixture of both in there. So it was a good chance that you could get into them if you could just find that cool pockets of water. Yeah. So the, the falls that we were fishing was maybe 20 25 feet uh drop from the falls uh the water level was low so the rapids were actually pretty ferocious coming over the falls um hiked or actually climbed down the falls and a buddy of mine we were casting out into like almost where like the water kind of like calms down a little bit from the falls and he brings in a smallmouth bass initially you know for a fact you're you're like, like fuck I was like, God damn it. I'm like, I did not come all this way to catch bass. Like, that's not my target. And he was all excited. He's a bass fisherman. He's like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. I'm like, no, that's not why we're here. Like, we are here to catch trout, salmon, um, you know, the target fish. And uh, I looked off to his, his right. And in the falls where the water was just, like, slamming, you could just see, like, a 12-inch salmon just come out of the water into the falls. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, dude, they are here. They are here. I was punked. And every two minutes, every minute or two minutes, you would see a a salmon jump out of the water um, trying to make their way up the falls, which it's almost it's near impossible. There's no way they can uh, maneuver those falls. It's just it's too high. It's too steep. The water's just too rough. So, um Fished around, went uh, down further down the, the river, but hiked back up so I could actually like cast into the falls. And, dude, I just started slaying. I wasn't fly fishing. Um, I was going spinner, strictly insurance, just making sure I can catch a couple fish for dinner. And, um, you know, the first fish I caught was a, was a 10-inch brookie. 
it was Gen Law there. Um, and, uh, you know, nice 10-inch brookie. I was like, perfect. We're on the board. Um, and then shortly after that, casting into the falls, I started slaying the salmon, dude. Just, it was a blast. Didn't Just you start seeing them, like, swimming up into that, like, the falling water? Oh, yeah. It was just incredible to see. I, it was probably one of the better salmon spots that I've, I've fished. And I was bringing in eight to ten salmon at a time, just, like, beow, beow, pulling them right out of the falls. And I was having a blast. Those guys weren't catching shit. <laughs> I think I think they caught uh, one of them. No, I... Yeah, one of them caught another bass on a fly rod, which they loved it. You know, it had a good fight on a fly rod, but I was like, nah, I don't want that shit. Um, you know, even caught a yellow perch, dude. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? Just a smorgasbord of fish. Um, it was kind of interesting to see that variety there. Um, but uh, missed a clobber of a brookie. Clobber got it to the shore, went to net it, and it flopped out of my net. That uh, pissed me off. It's so frustrating, dude. It's just so painful, but at least you were slaying them. Imagine if it was the only trout or salmon. I mean, I tried like hell. Like, I was fishing, I was definitively like grinding, like just casting every every second. I was just trying to get my line in the water and uh, waded out even further right up to my chest. At one point, I did fall in. But waited right up to my chest, and I was like, just casting my spinner, uh, a silver spinner into the into the falls, and uh, all of a sudden, just bam, like clobbered uh, a salmon. So nice salmon. Uh, I'm trying to remember the length on that salmon. Twenty one inches. Uh, Twenty. Twenty one inches. Yeah, right around there. I can't remember off the top of my head. Skinny. It was a skinny salmon. Um, but nice size salmon. Um, so that was fantastic. We actually wine, wined and dined that night over that salmon in Brookie. Yep. Um, you and I did, which that was fantastic. That was actually um, our last time that we were together in person. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy in that time. That was flying. June 9th. Yeah. That was June 9th. Yep. So then you also get into some bass fishing in uh, southern central Maine, too. Yeah, so after that trip, I knew that was kind of like the last, like, you know, go around with uh, game fish and um, had uh, had a couple opportunities to go down. My cousin's got a, a nice Lund boat, and uh, we went out to our, our brown trout ice fishing spot. We went back there, and we trolled for a little bit, and it was just, it's just too warm. Um, so we quickly switched to uh, bass fishing, and we were trying a softer plastic uh, just below the surface of the water. Not much action, man. It was actually pretty slow. Uh, what were you using when you were bass fishing? You went a, a couple times. So I went a couple times, and I was just hitting smallies, and I was using soft plastics, just hitting the edges, the ledges, and um, if they were still spawning. But I didn't really hit peak spawn at all because I, we were out up north, and I was doing trout fishing. So I only went out like two or three times, but I caught some tankers. Hopefully I can... Um, Throw up an Instagram post to one of those. We'll have a few uh, posts of your bass that you caught. Yeah, so I tried the soft plastic. wasn't really working that well. And then uh, switched to topwater and just immediately responsive. Like, just a loud topwater lure. It, like, triggered them, and they just started, like, slaying the, the, the bait that we had on the surface. And uh, caught some nice fish. 
had another outing. Uh, Streeter actually came out with us. Uh, so my cousin Nick Streeter and I went out strictly bass fishing. We said, screw, screw the trolling. Let's just go strictly bass fishing and stayed, uh, stayed to the top water, but I tried a different technique with the soft plastics. We were fishing the lily pads pretty hard and I had a, like a six inch rubber worm and I was, uh, did like a weedless hook setup and just dragging it across the lily pads on the top. And you could just see them trying to sip the surface of that, like as I'm reeling it on top. You got to hold it almost like uh, when you go to set the hook for fly fishing and you're like holding your rod like way above your head. You know, that's kind of the same technique that we're using to drag it across the lily pads. And bam, they're slaying it. So that was pretty cool to see them kind of charge after. Any uh, pickerel at all or pike at all? Plenty of pickerel um, at the spot that we were fishing. I mean, we were catching in. 20 inch pickerel no problem uh the bass the average size of the bass we were catching was like two and a half pounds um nothing you know large but uh had a couple nice ones yeah it streeter keeps it fun. Actually, yeah streeter actually uh pulled in uh, some nice bass um but uh should i give a little clap here like no 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 <laughs> he was using he was using my lure oh. um, don't give him credit <laughs> But uh, no, he reeled it in some nice fish. He did a pretty good job bringing them in. But uh, he's got to get comfortable holding the fish because that's a shout out, Streeter. Apologies. Um, <laughs> but uh, had a little ni- another adventure on the same body of water where it was pretty special. Um, it was Father's Day weekend, and you know I brought my daughter out with us. Uh, my wife, my daughter came out with me, so that was pretty special uh, to bring them out there. And just to get those younger kids involved in the outdoors is crucial. And you can't force these things upon, like, your kids, you know, at, the, at a young age. My daughter, we put a bobber and, like a, like, a styrofoam hook on it. And she was still casting out and reeling it in. I was like, boom. Like, that's it. That's all I want her to do. <laughs> like, I know she's not going to catch a fish right now. Um, but the fish that we did catch, I want her to, like, see it and as soon as we pulled it on the boat she's like fish fish and it's like yes okay she she understands the concept here and she got comfortable enough where you know we're holding a fish it's probably the size of her if not like two-thirds the size of her and she's touching it and i'm like yes like okay she knows what fishing is she's comfortable with them doing better than the streeter maybe <laughs> Oh yes, I, I yeah. He's got a competition right there. <laughs> got some competition, but uh, no, that was you got to take the small victories uh, with the little ones. You know, her just even touching the fish that was like, I I, I take that as a win, uh, especially for uh, a three year old. You know, so uh, pretty exciting to see her getting into the outdoors. Uh, she loves being outside, and you know, I urge all people out there to get get your kids involved. Um, the lifetime license, take advantage of it now while they're young, you know. And um, the memories, that, like the memories are everlasting. It's priceless, man. It is absolutely priceless to uh, the memories that you will actually make over the years. But even if they don't pick it up right away, they still have that lifetime to fall back on. Um, I don't have one. You don't have one. No. But, uh, you know, I, I urge folks to, uh, you know, make that plug so that uh their young ones have uh memories in the future yep definitely i mean you can't go wrong with it and 
if they don't use it, whatever, but they'll always have it. And especially with the fishing, like when you're older, there's going to be like family outings and friend outings maybe. And always being able to do it, it's just going to be a bonus. And I can tell you, we can tell you that it sucks having to buy it every damn year. Yeah, I buy the Super Pack, man. And I buy the uh, either sex uh, expanded tag. So I'm looking at like $232 every year. Yeah, that's, uh, pain- that's-, that's painful. That adds up quick. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it really does. And even even if you're just doing like a fishing license, you know, was it twenty seven dollars? Yeah, it? I don't know the exact price because I get the same super pack and whatnot. So, but combos like forty, forty two, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But just get them involved. Uh, that's a great way to do that. So strongly urge you to do that. I had uh, one last one last outing before we get to your uh, epic. Uh, trip and uh, the, had another bass slash uh, northern pike uh, trip. So uh, actually busted out the canoe again. Yeah, old reliable so, out there because when you send the pics and I was like, damn straight, <laughs> getting it on the water. I dude loading that thing on the on the car. I was like, this is bringing back memories hardcore. <laughs> Not with the same person, but um, it was kind of like exciting to you know Probably load didn't, that up again. didn't load it as fast i can tell you that much no 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 um but uh secured it down and it was like you know all good to go um went to a river actually and uh this, this is river actually is... the spot we did the the kayak float earlier on an earlier episode yes. to check out yeah we uh where we uh had a what would you call it not site a site b but like a, a drop-off site yeah, we just went, what was it, three and a half miles and dropped off at one point, picked up at another point, had deer steaks out there. But you actually went the reverse direction from what we did on that particular trip. And didn't you end up, like, showing up and there was a guy in a bass boat who wasn't catching shit? <laughs> so, we get a, literally got in the water. We paddled maybe, like, 100 yards. And there's this guy in this, like, beautiful like absolutely pristine like bass boat and i'm like holy shit like and he we didn't even say hello to him he just goes where are you guys going i was like what he's like you guys going up uh past the bridge and i was like yeah i think we're gonna go beyond that and he's like i've been out here for three hours and even haven't even caught a fish and i'm thinking to myself dude <laughs> switch your lure <laughs> switch your lifestyle i don't know <laughs> I'm, th- I'm like, man, just, yeah, you got to switch it up. Like, what technique are you using? Like, it seemed like they were using some soft baits, um, you know, whether it was, like, a crawfish or a worm or whatever. But, uh, yeah, they didn't catch anything, and I kind of chuckled. And, you know me, I was like, well, if you go down the other way, you know, I've had pretty good luck in the, you know, down that way in the opposite direction. If you just get <laughs> off the stream, can you just go home? <laughs> I say, you know, I've, I've caught some nice-sized pike down that way. And, oh, okay. And, uh, they actually followed us. They didn't actually head down that way, but they followed us. And I, I told Streeter, I said, we need to paddle up and just, you know, let's get to the good spot because there's actually a bridge that in a kayak or canoe you can actually get under depending on the water level. But a bass boat, there's no way in hell a bass boat's going to fit underneath it. So uh, we kind of took that advantage, paddled right up. Um did some quick fishing on the way, had some strikes, so we knew they were in the area. But we wanted to look for structure. We were looking for trees. There's not much rocks. A lot of milfoil. Um, 
a shit ton of milfoil. A shit ton. Uh, there's a sign that's like extreme milfoil. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. The milfoil was literally gr- uh, growing out of the water. That's how much there was. That's crazy. Um, it must so be weird, in, like casting. Like, what what was your fishing tactic for not catching clumps every cast? So good, good point. So my tactic was you got to know currents of a river. So like. I was fishing the deep kind of pools or channels um, of where, like, the river, the primary river channel went. I'm not fishing those slow areas where there's deposition and there's a lot of, like, milfoil because, you know, with a fast current, I say fast current, um, with a fast current, the milfoil kind of struggles to grow a little bit there. Um, so I was fishing those deeper spots, and uh, it seemed to, to pay off quite well. Uh, so, you know, looking for bends or, uh, corners in the river channel, uh, fishing those embankments, you know, they're deep and you know, they're fast. So that's what I was like kind of targeting. Um, and we first started with a soft six inch, uh, plastic worm and wasn't getting much action. To be honest with you, it was damn slow. And I was like, what the hell? Like something's got to change here. And like you said, switch it up. You got to switch tactics, like completely different tactics. So I was like, I'm not going to go below the water. I'm going to go top water. Jitterbug, man. The jitterbug makes that noise, the blip, 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 blip noise. And um, the it's blip, 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 blip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, I was trying different, like, you know, reeling methods, you know, bringing it in, slowing it down. And we talked about this the other day uh, off the air. It was like, Top water fishing is the way to go if you're bass oh, fishing. It's so fun, man. Seeing those strikes, it's just something else. You just know when you get a hit. Like, you know when you get a hit. There's no question. They just absolutely annihilate uh, the lure on the water. So um, the jitterbug just paid off. Uh, Andrew was actually, Streeter was actually using a, uh, a black jitterbug, and I was using a, like, yellow to green uh, jitterbug. I don't know if they thought it. Excuse me. I don't know if they thought it was maybe like a frog on the surface. Could be, or it could be like a yellow perch, like a, a small one that's like dead, flopping on the surface. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I was having some great action on the surface, um, and I made that recommendation to other people that have asked like what I've done in, uh, over the weekend as far as bass fishing and top water right now is the way to go, uh, in my opinion. So, uh, caught ton of uh small mouths large mouth northern pike i mean we were catching them all and got some good pictures of uh the decent sized small mouth that we were pulling in so you guys will have to check those out yeah i keep an eye out for that as always yep so um but enough with the warm water action crap let's yeah. let's talk some cold water here let's, so, let's, let's get into this let's shit. talk about freezing cold water so <laughs> This will probably... Yes, in June. In June. Late June. Ice cold water. Ice cold. So this will probably be the last of the fishing talk with this uh, this trip. I mean, I might sprinkle in tiny anecdotes when uh, we're talking whitetails because if I want to get out one more time. But this trip was pretty special. So I knew I was going to be going out with my girlfriend's family. So... I was like, I want to fly fish when I'm out there. Like, I've always wanted to. I've never been out west before, ever. 
So now, did you do did you do some research before you went? Yeah, so that that's what I was getting into because like as like you know me, like I want to know everything before I show up. Right. Oh, but, yeah, obviously. But before like there's like an extent of like researching in Maine, some place I've been before and researching like a totally different state. So right, first right. I've like I looked into the simplest things like buying a license. So th- Colorado has like a one day, a five day, and then the the year long. Um, so that's always good for if you're going out on a trip to always check that out. It was only like $35 to get the five day. And I was like, this is like a great deal because I'm going to get more than $35 worth. So research that. But what's weird is like in Maine, you can buy it online and then you can take a picture of it. But they right. only have physical copies there. Oh. Yep. Waterproof, so you, like wax paper, physical copies. So how did you do? Did you go to like a town office so or what something? I, or? So I researched. I could have bought it online. They had would have shipped it to me. And I was like, I don't want to like have that lost in the mail, and then like I don't even have it. So I ended up just looking up agencies down there that I could pick one up. And there was a ton of agencies. Any fly shop you go to, you could pick one up. But next, I started looking into the laws and regs, which are just totally different. Um, like you can keep. Uh, four brook trout and then an additional four brook trout there's no size lengths on any of them most of them unless there's like specific bodies of water that they have special laws for um but i was trying to research like kind of accessible bodies of water for where we were going we're going to be right we're flying into denver we're going to be near like golden colorado estes park so i knew there's going to be opportunities they're not going to be like super remote and I didn't have, like, the capabilities of doing that because it's, like, it's not just a fishing trip. You know, it's, like, a whole just vacation. So, so it's pretty, that's pretty cool that the the licenses, though, that you're saying were, like, wax paper. Like, in Maine, we just get those little clear plastic baggies. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and then, like, it can get, like, condensation side. Then it gets all, yeah, it's just shit. But so, what was your strategy, like, going into, like, these spots in Colorado? So, well, I did some research, but it's just kind of tough because, like, there's this, there's a lot of information to digest, but I was mainly focusing on spots where I was going to be. So, like I said, I was, like, all near, like, I was near Denver. I was, like, a couple hours away. So, there's plenty of opportunity out there. But before even getting there and getting to a fishing spot, uh, packing the gear is something I want to talk about a little bit. So yes, sir. This um, for like, I never flown with fishing equipment. So like, there's some rules I was checking out. It's like obviously it's not like flying with a rifle if you're going hunting out there. But right, you can't have sharp objects like hooks on your carry on. So you ah. have to have that in your check in, and then you got to make sure like the pieces of metal that you have are, are in your check in, and you want to make sure you safely have your rod and reel in there because you don't want to be cramming that somewhere where it could break so i had it in the case inside the suitcase so that was protected i put my clothes around it to make sure it was good but you know i had to pack the bare minimum because i couldn't just bring all my fishing gear because like again it wasn't a fishing trip but bringing the bare one what i was gonna say there was one piece of equipment that you didn't bring i didn't bring waders there was just no way i could have brought my waders so my thought process is i'm just gonna wet wade like it's gonna be 95 when i'm there the temperature did not drop below 88 degrees the entire time I was there. So I'm thinking wow. I'm going to be fucking hot. So there's not going to be a worry about it. But so 
Yeah, checking in the the all the fly fishing stuff was easy. It flew over fine. Nothing broke. But the first thing I want to get into is like, I had spots marked and the conditions there are just different. Like obviously they're different. It's a different part of the country. It's practically a different world. The water is frigid, frigid. I mean, would I can't you, stand would in you it. Go, would you compare it to like? Remember the time that I was out fishing and there was like ice chunks floating down the river? Like, is it that cold? Straight up. Straight up. It's like melting from the glaciers and the mountaintops still had snow. So there was still snow melt. So I can't even stand in the water for 30 seconds. And before I'm like, holy shit, (laughs) that hurts. It's so cold. (laughs) Another thing to take into consideration is like the streams, like in Maine, they meander. Like, yeah, there's some parts where there's ripples, but the gradient. It's just so fast and so steep. Like, the water is just unfishable. And I was like, get there. And I'm like, okay, I have to, like, audible because every place I'm looking at, it's the water's high because of snow melt. And there's mm-hmm. no real fishable spot. So we, like, I had, like, plants A through F for, like, spots to mark out. So that was one thing to keep in mind if you ever go out there. It's just, like, the, the gradient of the streams is just different. It's not going to be flat. They're not all going to be fishable. You're gonna show were they up and, more like were they more like valleys almost like down cutting because uh, in a steeper s- gradient you have more down cutting that sometimes yeah but those were like in the canyons and it was like you couldn't really fish in there I was trying to look for a, a wider canyon because there's a ton of canyons out there and it's just yeah. weird because you can go from like desert to like borderline prairie to like typical Rocky Mountains to like sagebrush and spruce all around you. It's just it's just so many different like ecosystems. Yeah. So um I ended up fishing this incredibly beautiful pond where there was cutthroats, all natives. Um but catching like the fish in Colorado are selective as fuck. So I would have I was nymphing most of the time, but I did throw dries. I was throwing everything. They would literally swim up to it, open their mouth, get within inches, and then dart away. And then I'm like, what the fuck? Like, they're not taking anything. I changed my fly immediately, throw another one out there. And I could not get one because they were just selectively feeding on whatever, like, emerging fly or insect was in the current. So what nymph were you going with? So what I did, I started off tiny so just like uh pheasant tails and then going down some copper john stuff but what i ended up doing was i went to a local fly shop and i just asked like simple questions like what flies are they hitting so they said ants um midges so i got a couple midges and i was doing a tandem setup from that point on strictly nymphing because they were like dry flies and not right now the water is really cold you could but so I went with a double rig with a pheasant tail and uh, a midge. And then after making that change and going to plan CDF, I was able to then hook into some wild browns, which was incredible. You said the browns are like completely different. Oh, than like so in browns. Maine, it's like a rusty, like dark brown. There's not like a lot of color to it, but like the, the brown trout out there are just like golden speckled red there's going to be uh pictures on the instagram to check out it was so much like catching the first one i was like thank god like 
Because I only fished the last three days, even though I got the five-day license, just because where we were located, because we right. were south a bit in Colorado Springs, which is not much fishing opportunity. But as we worked towards Rocky Mountain National Park, there was more opportunity. So I was slaying the Browns on the last day and the, the now, last was, two days. How was the fight? I mean, is the fight comparable to, like... Definitely fight harder. Being, do they fight harder? I was they fight say, harder look. and... They're jumping out of the water, and they're again. Really? They're all because I I checked the spots because I didn't want to get a stocky out there. Like that's there's no point to that for me personally. But like the wild the wild browns were just so much fun. It ranged between like eight to twelve inches. I caught one really nice one that was like a fourteen incher. And, and these are natives, correct? All natives, all natives. Yep. So, but it was just so much fun because I would hit there's this one stream that went down this dirt road and like i'm driving down i'm like man i like there's just no like fishable spots then i saw like one little spot i I could probably throw something in there and boom immediately caught two out of there it's like you just gotta keep trudging down the trail a little bit just to find those spots and now i can see why you can fly fish out west year round just with the temperatures of the water the amount of fish in there like I'm not going to these remote spots and I'm catching 10, 12 browns, all of them of decent size. And I could have kept them if I wanted to, but, you know, just traveling and stuff, it wasn't really feasible to eat them. But I was, I wanted to, just didn't work out. So it was just catch and release. But catching them on the fly rod was just, that's like, not like the northern trip was a pinnacle and this was like a totally separate pinnacle that I've always wanted to, to do. It's a, it's a cherry on top, man. It is a cherry me, on that- top. You you got the cherry and the sprinkles and the fucking whipped cream. You got it all. Like yep. you have this beautiful Sunday. <laughs> I but, I mean I wish I, I caught I a cutthroat, but eh, eh, it sucks. I, but whatever. I wish I caught an Arctic char. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so you talked about the idea of like the f- dry flies not being hit this time of year. When like when is dry fly is the dry fly season for them much shorter than like. I, I wouldn't have. say it's even shorter. I just think that I was just before the hatch is what the fly shop was telling me. So, like, if I was there probably a week or two later, the water levels would have dropped a little bit, and the water would still stay cold, and then you would start getting some, like, caddis flies and some mayflies. I mean, there was some, but there was very, not nearly as much as there were in Maine for that time period which i was surprised about because it was 90 degrees out but so, also i also don't know if this is related to where i was fishing as well because like in the rockies it's like it's definitely colder and the water's even more cold so it's like if i was just a little bit off that i think the water would have been slightly warmer so then i could have been doing that but to get to some decent fishing i was just getting to places where i knew the, the nymph would work and i bought those local nymphs yeah so the water temperature, how much warmer is that water temperature gonna get? I is I, it like is I it honestly like peak season for us or? I don't think the water is really gonna get warm at all in these streams because everything's spring fed, like everything, all ponds, water, everything's flowing. I don't think the water gets warm until you hit Denver, and then it's flowing down to like uh, the Mississippi practically. So. Yeah, it was. Hmm. I mean, the views were incredible. The nature was incredible. There was one thing I didn't tell you, which was pretty crazy. So, 
I didn't hike much on this, but I still had my backpack gear and I had hiking boots and I went on like, I don't know, 350 yards along this river. And this one was like in a valley, so it was slower and I was catching fish in it, which was really fun. As I'm walking back, I hear splash, splash, splash. I'm like, what in the fuck? Because like, I'm thinking like the wildlife out here, I know there's more bears out here, first of all. And yeah. I was like making noise constantly, but out walks this massive cow moose and i'm like oh my gosh shit not even 40 yards and it's just standing there just like munching on some brush and i'm like you take your time buddy because i am not moving right now (laughs) (laughs) and you saw a shit ton of wild game while you were out there yeah so uh, we saw everything except bear we saw bighorns um mound goats a bunch of mule deer a bunch What's velvet? Elk with velvet. Um, it was crazy. And so I think this is like a great learning opportunity for when, A, I do another Western fishing trip, fishing trip, because now I understand like local when, flies. Okay, hold on, hold on. When we. Yes, when, when we, we. Thank you. When we go back, um, Local flies and local knowledge is just key. Like, yes, I can spend all day online finding spots, but if they're not going to get the flies, like, right. that's that's a huge issue. Second of all, understanding how the water's just different, like faster currents, finding spots that are fishable. And then on top of that, having all the different options for playing A, B, C, D, because what I did was you had no service once you got out of Denver, just none. So I had this, you know, this hunting app, satellite imagery where you can download like the map. So then I don't need service, which is key because then I can have waypoints on that app and right. have plan A through F without needing service or any other information. Because once you get out there, you're you're on your own. Yeah, that's I mean, you were just like some of the pictures I've seen. I'm like, oh, my God, it's like stuff out of the magazine. Yep, it like, like pictures. Pictures don't do justice. The pictures really don't do justice, and they're gonna be coming in over the next month. And I, I, I still there's this one picture in Rocky Mountain National Park, and I was I literally, I was there with my girlfriend, and I was like, "Holy fuck, am I actually fishing right here with this scenery?" <laughs> and you haven't seen the photo yet, so it's a little teaser for you. It's uh, li- yeah. literally c- the clearest water. There's cutthroats and. Ah, it's just crazy. I mean, I'm definitely jealous. There's no doubt about that. When you're like, oh, I just bought my fit. Because you initially, initially, before I even knew about the trip, you sent me like a video of like you scouting Colorado. And I'm like, what the hell is he doing scouting Colorado? I'm like, what the hell? What are you doing? And then you're like, yeah, I'm going out there. Yeah, I'm I'm going going out there with my fucking fly rod, baby. It was I'm so like, fun. I was happy for you, but I was like so jealous, so jealous. And I know for a fact, like I'm definitely going back out there. And when I have all my gear, it'll be so easy. Like if you can wade with waders on, just like it will change everything. Just being able to stand in the water longer, because I could take two casts and I had to get out. And I was like, oh my goodness. So then you have to worry about the brush behind you, beside you. It's like if I could just stand like walk up the stream practically and you know just sneak my way up and get into those pools 
probably would even con more, but just given the circumstances, I couldn't. But now I know for when we go out, everything we need, I can be like, all right, we can't fuck with this. We need to do that. We got to adjust here because it was like one day, the, the three days I fished, one day I didn't catch anything. Then I went to the fly shop and then they were hitting the midges, tiny little fucking things, tiny. I'm like, how did they even see it? I don't even know. That's just crazy. Now, did you see any like campsites along like the rivers and stuff like that? Or I wasn't really in an area for that. Like everything I was fishing was there was a dirt road going down to like some houses and some I would think camps, but I wasn't in any areas that there were actual campsites. But I know like if you get into the national forest, there's going to be campsites. There's going to be hiking trails and whatnot. But we weren't out there and, like. Again, it wasn't like a fishing trip where I would have been right. targeting these drainages. I can use that term and not sound like a fucking bitch because <laughs> they're actually like, oh, we have a drainage coming into this waterway. It's like, let's fish that drainage. But And I feel like the camping is like a whole other ball of wax too. Like I'm sure there's regulations and stuff like that for the camping and, and so on and so forth. And also like the having like bear spray or a gun like you've got to need something doing it again if you're going way out there because i mean i was running into wildlife non-stop which i love it but it's like sometimes I'm like holy fuck like give me a little space right now <laughs> <laughs> you're in the living room of uh, mother nature my man <laughs> i know it was crazy and it just puts into perspective like you have the altitude at the same time so i'm That's at ten thousand feet like that's crazy. freaking crazy, man! Like that, like hiking. You have to take your time because it's just thin air. Never experienced that before, but it's just we're going out there. Even thinking about hunting out there, it's just the wind directions aren't the same per drainage. Like there's no one wind direction. So when we do an elk hunt or a mule deer hunt, it's I can I I can already see it, and having you not been there, you definitely got to get out there before you ever do some big adventure because it definitely teaches you something. Because just seeing the landscape and how the trees work, like the growing season out there. So in Maine, the growing season is quite long, so that's why we have thick, dense forest. But yeah, like yeah. you see these like meat eater shows when they're hunting and they can like see through like the trees because they have the ponderosa pines. It's because they only have a, like a three-week window for the trees to grow. So no that's shit. why you don't really have dense forest. Like there is dense forest, but not like main dense. That's why you're glassing a lot. Yes, exactly. So yeah. it was crazy, and I can't wait to for us and to get out there and do more adventures out there. But that won't be for a little bit because I got to tackle mass hunting. <laughs> You have a lot on your plate right now as far as um, preparing for the upcoming season. Yeah. I mean, that's what we have to look forward to. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, we're going to be talking a shit ton about deer now. Um, uh, yeah, we, I'm, we're going to be on two different wavelengths, too, because... You're I'm gonna fist be, pumping right now, baby. <laughs> because you're going to be, like, hunting your old reliables, and I'm, I don't have a reliable. <laughs> I don't know where to hunt right now. I mean, obviously, I have some idea right now. Don't get me wrong. I do my research. My bread and butter, baby. Oh, I know. Come on. You've only said that probably a hundred times on this podcast. Getting excited. Getting excited. But, yeah, 
We're going to be talking whitetail. Uh, we're going to be uh, putting up some game cameras soon, so um, you'll be able to see what we got going on and follow the story of the our season along the way and the challenges that we have uh, and what we encounter. Uh, because we definitely encounter challenges every season, like every hunter. So with that, the the podcast structure is going to take a little bit of a turn for the better, in my opinion. We're going to be introducing segments. We're going to maybe have a slightly different intro. So we can just have a little more structure for you guys every episode, talking about like, oh shit, what now? Or some other different segments that we're thinking up right now. So look forward to that on future episodes, especially with whitetails coming around. And when I say, oh fuck, we can talk yeah. about it and then digest it and move from there. Because there are challenges that, that we, you and I, encounter. I mean, everybody else is encountering it as well. Like, you know, uh, tech, specific techniques, uh, scrapes, you know, so on. So I mean, we can dive into rabbit holes of different challenges. Uh, but these are going to arise with um, our interactions with Mother Nature. Like, whatever we encounter, that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, and I'm sure you folks out there will be encountering the same, hopefully. Uh, and we're going to shed some light on that and try and figure out the solutions to those challenges that we have. And we're still learning along the way. I mean, never-ending pursuit. There's always going to be challenges that we run into and things we make mistakes because every outdoorsman, hunting, fishing, anything, you're going to be making mistakes. So. I you think. have to constantly like adapt, you know, people talk about like professional hunter or like master, you know, hunter, like a master hunter is somebody that like is constantly adapting, somebody that's constantly learning uh, along the way. They're not just like, oh, I've reached this point. I'm good. You have to constantly learn uh, new things uh, and adapt to those challenges. And it, it extends just beyond being in the woods or on the water. It's more so like prep you know researching doing your homework so that when you come around to these opportunities you can like um what's the word i'm looking for you execute like, execute on those opportunities so then you can have a successful season and Lovely. you're you're still gonna fuck up those sometimes i mean we both did last year so oh <laughs> uh, you have to you have to have those moments to kind of almost like keep you in the now you know you need those moments to kind of slap you in the face and be like listen you're not like perfect you're not like 110 percent like you know a master hunter or you know professional hunter because we started this podcast by saying <laughs> we are not professionals we, we are, are not. not we're giving uh, our best advice as we can and i mean just looking back on me talking about colorado like 10 minutes ago i was struggling for finding spots you know with the water finding flies that worked and it's just about doing your homework and talking to people that know a little bit tidbits here and there and it all adds up to your repertoire and you can execute on that for further experiences but as always folks you know we're looking forward to the upcoming uh discussions of whitetail so uh, we look forward to talking about that with you folks and as always get in the woods and get on the water